Hi, Mum. We're back in action. We're back in action. Welcome to Smart Casual, the podcast where generation gaps and pop culture overlap. I'm Charlotte, stay-at-home daughter and corporate law dropout. And I'm Lexi, pop culture extraordinaire. (laughs) Tickets. Tickets. So, Mum, what's on the recommendation agenda this week? Well, I'm... uh, this is sort of prepping for our topic today. I had to think back to the 90s, way back to the 90s for dating. And I remembered a movie that came out, would have been early 90s, directed by Cameron Crowe from Almost Famous called Singles. And great movie. If you want to really delve into what dating was like in the 90s, it's about a group of singles that live in a... Um, apartment complex and their love lives basically what's your recommendation charlotte my recommendation is an article from the new york times it's an opinion essay called taylor swift has rocked my psychiatric practice and (laughs) you don't make that in that essay they basically talk about how taylor swift and her music helps understand helps them understand their patients and also helps their patients understand themselves and give themselves vocabulary to what they're going through. And I'll I'll read you a quote that kind of explains the context of the article. Whatever you are upset about, the poet laureate of this generation has got a song somewhere in her mega over describing that precise feeling. She is not going to solve whatever problem you are having, but she is going to sit with you in it until the passage of time does its work, which I think is really true and the psychiatrist who's writing the essay is kind of talking about how understanding Taylor Swift is quite different from understanding the music that they listened to a lot growing up, which was the pop of the 80s and 90s and not what? so much the song. Wait. No, no, no. This is what the psychiatrist, the, the author of the article, Mum, is do not. I'm just saying, you know, the deep lyrics, wake me up before you go, go. <laughs> Don't provide <laughs> We were deep. Well, it's just like because she's so prolific and a singer-songwriter and talented whether or not you like her music and clearly a lot of it's personal experience, emotionally based, it's helping people articulate their feelings Mm. and helping them deal with whatever they're going through. And anyway, I just thought it was a really interesting perspective. It's interesting, but it's thrown me right back into retro mode thinking of some of the lame lyrics from the 80s and late 70s. Another classic, Look It Up Kids, was, um, I think his name was Joe Dolce, Shut Up Your Face. That was number one for weeks and weeks and weeks. That's and not to shut say... Shut Up Your Face. <laughs> it's not to say there wasn't good music, obviously, back then, but I feel... It's just a, you know, different vibe. Very different vibe. Not as deep and meaningful as T-Swift. So, I mean, she does have, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22 or we are never, ever, ever, ever getting back together. Yeah, so, true. you know, she's, she does it all. But on to today's topic, what are we talking about today, Mum? We're talking about, I'm fascinated by this and... I'm going to learn so much more than I'm going to take more than I give today in that we're talking about the rules of dating and they are complex and I do not get them. No, and they have changed a lot and so much. from your day and I feel like 
we and I feel like this is a common thing that I find with my friends it there's such a there is such a gap between what we understand as dating norms or expectations and then trying to communicate that with our mums and they go oh that's ridiculous so we thought we'd delve into that and mum you wanted to kick it off by getting to understand the world of gen z dating so i do so i'm going to just rapid fire questions at you here okay first of all with your you guys is it more common now to meet in real life or online okay so i feel like online dating is what it feels like everyone is on and it feels like it's the most more common thing but Actually, I would say in terms of my friend group, a lot of them have met in real life through mutual friends or at university. It does really feel like all there is is dating apps. And just to lay them out for you and from my kind of viewpoint of what the dating apps are and a lot of my friends share, the original Tinder, Mm. which everyone kind of knows, from my standpoint and from the people that I know, that's more of a really casual app for hookups and that kind of thing. That's what I sort of know it as, Yeah, sexy one. Mm, very sexy. And then there's Bumble, which was founded by an ex-Tinder employee, a woman, and the whole idea was that if you match with someone, the girl messages first and has 24 hours to respond. Can I just ask, if you are going on Bumble, does that mean you're not just up for a casual hookup you're really looking for something more long term it depends I think yeah people meet partners on Bumble I would say more so okay and then after Bumble then Hinge emerged and that's probably the most popular um and successful anecdotally but also equally frustrating among my friends and among a lot of people and that's I would say where most people would find more long-term partners or relationships but it is also can be quite frustrating because it's quite notorious for hiding people that you'd actually be compatible with or would find attractive behind what Why? is colloquially known as the rose jail. So you have to pay or, and become a premium member to see oh. them. So they, they like you get a preview or you get one rose a week, but it's called rose jail because no one wants to pay, but they really maybe after the first couple of days on the app, mm. they really just, show you no one that you'd be interested in except in rose jail then there is also raya which is a celebrity app that's big in the u.s and has kind of come to australia that is like members only and it's very exclusive you have to be invited on it so a lot of celebrities in the u.s use it but here it's more just influencers and stuff but people do use it and i think because you have to be referred and they have a really strict screening process some people find it a bit better. The thing with dating apps is I think most people, they're kind of a means to an end. People get like dating app fatigue. So, you know, they don't really feel like real people. And you talk about ghosting, but it's almost you're seeing like a TV character or something mm. profile, like a baseball card and swiping through. You don't know anything about them. So if both of you just fizzle out, never apply, never make plans, it doesn't feel like I think for a lot of people that there's someone in the world that you really owe an obligation to and to respond. And because there's so much choice and you're maybe talking to 30 people at once, you don't 
have the time, I guess, to really to invest. To everybody, yeah. And I think also people get choice paralysis. Just because you respond to one another doesn't mean that you necessarily take it that next step and go on a date. Well, no, no one's going to force you to go on a date. No, but I thought you'd only get in touch with someone if you really... So you do a bit of um, backward and forwarding first on the app. So you like or swipe on someone's profile and then if they like you back or you see that someone's liked you and you like them, then you can match with them. Mm. And then someone will start the conversation unless it's Bumble and then the girl has 24 hours to respond or the match disappears. So do you think at your age it's easier to meet people in real life than on apps? No, I think it's a lot harder in real life now because I think it's given people choice paralysis. They have too much choice. So Mm. people are less likely to approach each other in real life and face rejection. They can go home and message someone on social media Mm. or go on a dating app. Yeah, I think it really damages that aspect because people cower behind dating apps instead of risking rejection in real life. rejection's horrible. And it's much harder these days because back in the day, if someone asked for your number and you didn't really want to give it, you'd change the last digit or something. Whereas now people are like, what's your Instagram? And everyone right. has Instagram, so they know you're lying and it's even more awkward. I think that's also definitely an Australian thing. When I've been in America, you walk through a door in a bar and they're way more confident and they're like, hi, can I buy you a drink? Yes, no. Okay, I'll... I, I've noticed that, yeah. And if, I, if you say thanks, like, for the drink, have a good night. They'll leave you alone. They'll leave it, yeah. Whereas... I think that's a shame. I feel like in my experience, people, when they go out, they stick in their little groups and then if you are out and you see another group of people that someone you're with knows, then you might connect with someone Mm. in real life that way. But there's very much less of a culture and I'm speaking anecdotally from personal experience of, you know, someone that you haven't met who isn't a complete nutter. or you approaching them like it's just not done but don't you meet people from a wider background I wouldn't say so dating app no oh on the dating app sorry I mean yes you can meet people from a wider background on the dating apps I think that also then raises a problem you then have potentially no background check of this person they're really a complete stranger so I think dating apps often work well when it's someone that is a friend of a friend and you're like, oh, Mm. hey, you're on here too and talk together and that's kind of like, hey, come here often at a bar but online. I think that's when dating apps really come into their own. But I know people that have really dated complete strangers, no friends in common, completely different backgrounds Mm. and it has worked sometimes and then other times into many differences in personality, etc. and things like, distance between you know where they lived and where their partner lived and Mm. Sydney's a big city so it was an hour commute between each other so you'd have to really like each other that's almost long distance yeah it does open you up in one sense but Mm. in terms of making it socially acceptable to kind of make a connection with someone in real life I think it really does close you off in that sense Mm. All right, so my next question for you is, now this might vary between real life, what I'm going to call real life dating and, and um, app dating, 
can the girl nowadays ask the boy out or is it always, is it usually the guy still that's in the position of making that first move? We're speaking from experience of heterosexual cisgendered relationships so we can't speak for, you know, the queer community but I do think that while it's theoretically acceptable that the girl can ask a guy on a date, I do think if we're looking purely at numbers and statistics, it's Mm. usually the guy. In terms of online dating, I think that can change things a little bit. Mm. Then it may be more likely that the girl will ask the guy on the date, particularly with Bumble, for example, because he starts the conversation. You're both there for the same reason on a dating app. So I think it's very normal and very common if the girl's just like, are you free for a drink? Yeah. Because it's like we're here for a reason. Yes. We've chatted for a little bit. It's really interesting, isn't it, that still kind of a norm, a loose norm. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's common for everyone. Do you still have the thing where the girl needs to kind of play it a bit cool? I mean, guess on the apps you can't. You're not being cool at all because you're on there. You want to date. But do you still... Does the girl have to play it a bit like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll go out with you? Is that still a thing? I mean, I think the prevailing notion is still to leave someone wanting more, however you interpret that, if you want a relationship with them and not just casual dating. I think when you think about acting cool to gain a guy's interest, Mm. for me personally and a lot of people my age, see it more from a perspective of protecting yourself and not getting infatuated with someone too soon rather than trying to play it cool to change someone's opinion in view and get them to like you, you know, Mm. appear more mysterious. I think it's very fair and normal to not tell someone the first couple of times you meet them that you get raging thrush every time you sit in your swimmers for more than 20 minutes. Like, you know, use discretion like you would every time you're meeting a new person of how you let them into your life. I personally would approach it more from a place of taking it slowly and holding the parts of yourself back, not to be mysterious, but to make sure that more for self-protection, self-protection, but also to make sure that, you know, infatuation and obsession and that kind of thing doesn't take over and you're actually getting to know the person. Yeah. So you're not available to them 24 seven. You're still living your life. You're still honoring your commitments to your friends, family, work Mm. and getting them to fit in that way. You're not waiting for them to call or pretending. Okay, so that sort of brings up timeline stuff. So just imagine you've met them through, I'm going to say, like Instagram. (laughs) Well, not Instagram, but you've, you know, they've, as you said, they've slid into your DMs. And how do you get from that point to your first date? You just message back and forth and someone arranges a drinks or something okay so what would a first date normally be drink yeah. they're not going to take you out for dinner on the first no date. and also I wouldn't want to go for dinner on the first date no. because it's too much pressure and mm. if you've never met someone before mm. you don't know whether you want to spend several hours with them drinks is good because you can have one drink and you can leave and if yeah. you're having a good time you can say oh like why don't we yeah. get something to eat like what about like a walk or coffee or do you do that or is it mainly a nighttime thing i mean different people do i know people meet up for coffees or mm. walks during the mornings uh, which i think is good especially if you're both kind of into that lifestyle mm. 
Um, and also just for a change because and if you're dating and meeting lots of people, that gets really expensive. Yeah. So that's definitely normal. Have I done that? No. But that may just be who I've... The way you've, yeah. You know, hung yeah. out with. All right, explain this to me, okay? You, he slid into your DMs. You've <laughs> had a few dates. Um, when, at what point is it okay to have sex? Well, or, you know, I suppose that's very... That's so subjective. Exactly. So you're allowed to have sex at any point when you're two consenting adults. Oh, no. But I think if someone likes you and wants to pursue things with you, it won't change how they feel about you if you have... If you sleep with them on the first date, the fifth date, the tenth date. What about from the boys' perspective? Do you think they feel that um, uh, sex means more commitment? No. Not at all. I don't think... Either party don't feel like once you've had sex, I there's, mean, I there's can't sp- more of a... I can't speak for every no, woman no, my age. I know you can't. This is all anecdotal and so, you know a lot more about it from your age. If someone really likes you and wants to continue getting to know you, sleeping with them early on, when you first meet them, whatever it is, won't change how they see you, how they feel about you and whether or not things will progress seriously. I don't think it matters, but I do think, and this is for me personally, intimacy with someone you're dating does play a role in falling in love with someone for a lot of women. And as Eli Rallo, who is someone I follow on TikTok and she's been like branded as like Gen Z's, Carrie Bradshaw Mm. lives in New York and she's just published a dating book. I didn't know I needed this. One of the things that she talks about is that Women fall in love through time together and men fall in love through time apart. Mm. And I really think that's true because for women, intimacy, whether that's emotional, sexual, whatever it is, building something together, if you're attracted, does help grow those feelings of love in a relationship. And I think that's where that old notion of play hard to get, make him miss you kind of comes into Mm. it. A lot of women still like to get to know someone a bit first and take things a little bit slow if they're looking for a relationship versus if they're looking for a hookup or a shorter term arrangement. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. So, okay, you're dating, having sex if you want to, not having sex if you don't want to, everything's on the table. So, A-okay, this is the bit I get really confused with and I think is the biggest difference between my generation and yours. You talk about... um, you being exclusive or not exclusive and then that's different from calling him your boyfriend oh yeah it's the this is bane of my existence confusing to me and it's something that I actually think has been slipped under a lot of women's noses as something that they have to put up with and I just think it's terrible so on TikTok as well there was a lot of talk about the three-month rule of the 90-day period of where you're dating someone potentially exclusively um, before you decide whether or not you want a relationship with them. And I think that's fine because, again, you don't want to jump into a really committed relationship before you know somebody well. When it goes longer than that, Mm. that's a situationship. And what that means usually is that it's the all the hallmarks of the relationship in terms of you may go on dates, you may not, you may be sleeping over at each other's houses, kind of 
talking all the time, but there is not that emotional commitment commitment or or expectation. So typically, and obviously everyone's arrangements are different, but if you're in a situation, you can't be angry that they haven't called you in five days or they're not helping you move or coming to family lunch. So they they might not even meet your family or your friends. That is a huge part of it. That's what it means. So basically, they they whether it's boy or girl, get all the benefits with none of the. Well, they get the benefits in terms of companionship and sex, but they don't get the benefit of a true meaningful relationship. And I think it happens for a lot of people that may have commitment or intimacy issues that do want a relationship, or they want to keep up an image of being fun and single and not tied down so they kind of allow themselves to be in it but the problem is some of the time it does end up being in a committed relationship Mm. but often to get there there's so much drama there may be cheating there's so much angst that goes into it and I will say nine times out of ten it's a girl being strung along by a guy and accepting the absolute crumbs of commitment Mm. because they're like oh I really like him but they don't feel like for whatever reason they can have a conversation where they're on the same page and say well I really want a relationship because they obviously fear losing them all together so they accept this so one foot in one foot out yeah so how long can a situationship go on for as long as anyone lets it yeah, as long as they do. So if you're in a situation, you couldn't sort of say, look, can I bring my boyfriend? Because you can't call him your boyfriend. Yeah, that's the whole idea. They're not your boyfriend oh, or girlfriend. that's just ridiculous. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Okay, situation aside, because mm. that could be a whole other podcast, you know, if things are, you know, all tickety-boo going along well, do you actually have a conversation where you say, are we being exclusive? Yeah, that happens a lot of the time. Okay. Obviously, that is a conversation when you are entering a relationship with someone communication is necessary to know what page you are on it but what I take issue and cringe and ick with is how it's often still a bit of the do you want to go steady or will you go round with me except you want to go round with me yeah except I know this isn't everyone but there's so many times it's oh he asked me to be exclusive or he asked me to be his girlfriend. Majority of the time, it is the guy asking the girl out. And that's, again, what I think leads to the situationships, these situations where... You've handed over the, your... Well, the girls, the women feel like they are not the ones in control or in power and kind of in these old-fashioned... Anecdotally, I guess we have to keep saying because it's not everybody, but you guys seem to have added an extra level in the exclusivity level so we and again I'm only speaking anecdotally because for us exclusive met the same as girlfriend and boyfriend from my own understanding you were gone like a couple of dates with someone and it would be very normal to understand that you were exclusive and call them your boyfriend that they weren't sleeping with other people that was just the understanding. If you were going on romantic dates, yeah. that you were a couple and that was your boyfriend or girlfriend. Mm. Boyfriend, girlfriend, partner was kind of a loose and fancy free term and it covered all sorts of arrangements. It would cover 
someone that you'd been dating for 10 years and had been on a family holiday and it would cover someone you'd kissed twice on a night out and maybe had taken you out for drinks. I, I think though my point is that the sex was what made it go Exclusive, from, right. Yeah, go from just being someone that you had dated to boyfriend. Like, So you, when would that happen? Like the five date rule from the rules? But again, I can only speak anecdotally and I suppose my, my time of dating was kind of longer than most of my peers because – I had like I dated in the late 70s and 80s and had like, a long-term boyfriend for eight years in my 20s and then hit the dating pool again in my in in the 90s and things were you know really quite different then but really you you wouldn't have sex that quickly there was still that little bit of taboo about you know, you didn't give it away, kind of thing. What, yeah. What you know, there used to be this saying that all and all the dads used to say about, you know, why would you buy the cow when you get the milk for free? I mean, oh, it's disgusting. So yeah, I've heard that. The main point is we didn't have that exclusive. Once you you felt sure that you were boyfriend and girlfriend, then you had sex. Obviously, it adds another layer of confusion because it's hard to know if you're on the same page as someone and someone might be looking for one thing, the other person may say that they're looking for that, but they're not really good in some ways. This, the fact sleeping with people and multiple people is fine and it's up to you. And if you're consenting and respectful and getting checked by a doctor regularly, that's all good. I do think a lot of the time where trouble comes in is where people are on different pages. Mm. So obviously if kind of the rule was, most of the time you didn't sleep with someone unless you were entering into a relationship, then everyone was on the same page. But now there's a lot of options, which means people are coming from different angles. You don't want to come like a bull out of the gate on a first date saying, these are my rules. This is what I'm looking for. Mm. Part of that is communicating and working out whether that person has the same dating goals as you. So mum, now I have some questions for you. Could you run me through kind of any dating rules that you really stuck by when you were dating and looking to find like a long-term partner? What was your strategy? What was your rules? Sleep with them after the third date. What were your red flags? Strategies would be, and again, I'm only talking from my own perspective, I would never sleep with them on the first date. Probably not for the first I'm going to say even up to a month, three weeks to a month. Um, And by then I would probably have thought to myself, you know, this one could be a keeper. could even be longer, you know, depending. And how often were you seeing these people? Probably every weekend at that point. And would you be dating multiple people at once? Um, not really, no. Maybe one or two for a while, but I would quickly, I couldn't handle that. It's too much admin. It was just too confusing. So, uh, no, usually just one. And it was hard to meet people. How did you meet people when you were looking to seriously date in your late 20s? Late 20s, it was really difficult because most people 
certainly in my friendship group, were married by the mid-20s. So my friends were all married and most of them had had their first child. So when I became single again in my late 20s, I was sort of really out on limb thinking, how am I going to meet people now? Because my really, really close friendship group, they weren't going out clubbing and doing things. Yeah, I feel that a little bit, not in the sense that my friends are married, a lot of them have been in very long-term settled relationships for several years. They're not really going out and looking to meet new people or yeah. when we hang out as a group. It's- it was so much easier when we were younger, either, you know, the last sort of year 11 and 12 at school and then through our time at uni and early 20s to meet people and... Then I, I had that serious boyfriend from 20 to 28. So when we broke up, I was really like, what am I going to do? You know, I at first, of course, I didn't want to meet anybody, so that was fine. But um, when I really did sort of think, yes, I want to start meeting people, I had to do things I didn't really want to do. I wasn't really that interested in going back to the pubs and clubs, and but I did. So you, you just what, have did to put you, yourself... Did you go by yourself or like if everyone no, was no, married? No, no, no. I was at that point working and a colleague of mine had uh, separated from her husband. We were the same age but she'd been married and separated from her husband. So we started to go out together and then I had one friend, actually a great friend from primary school who was still single and I would go out with her we just used to go out and, you know, go dancing. When you were on a night out, mm. would the men approach you? Yes. And kind of what? how would that interaction go down? Usually they'd come and ask, could they buy you a drink? Basically be hanging out with your girlfriends uh, or girlfriend. Yeah, you'd be looking around to see if there was someone you liked and, you know, you did a bit of connecting with your eyes and all that sort of thing. Or someone could just come out of the crowd and say, look, I'd hi, how are you tonight, and get chatting, can I buy you a drink? And that would happen frequently throughout the night or was it kind of you would go nights where no one would offer? Oh, yeah, definitely go nights where no one would offer, but, you know, other nights, bonanza, (laughs) you're fighting them off. And the type of people that would approach you and ask for a drink, Mm. they were, were they people that you were often interested in? You know, I would say it was half and half. Half you'd say, oh, look, no, I'm just having a night out with my girlfriend. And and how would they know. react to that? Would they say like... They were usually really nice, but sometimes you'd get the odd... A-hole. You know, get stuffed or whatever. Yeah, classic. <laughs> just trying to be friendly. Like, fair enough too. Must take such guts. I could count on one hand... Yeah. ...the amount of times that has happened to me on a night out. And, like, several of those times happened in the US and not here. Well, and you've got to think, in those days, there was no rsv.com or whatever it was called. Mum, this is not 1970. No one's using RSVP. But RSVP was the first thing that came out. I'm just, I'm having a joke. Oh, I'm having the fact that that's your go-to. There was no RSVP. There there was no hinge. There was no online dating. (laughs) There was barely online. So, yeah, I mean, I was still giving out my home phone number. So they would ring at home. Oh, my God. The landline. Yeah, absolutely. Did you not have a mobile then? No. 
I don't think I did have a mobile. Oh, my God. No, they would ring the landline. I still had the answering machine. This is so sex in the city. I know. It was kind of awful. I mean, some guys I really did dodge because I'd go out with them a few times and just think, oh, God. So you were ghosting before ghosting had a name. Yeah, I guess so. Like ghosting and a little bit in that I sort of think, oh, I can't deal with saying no, look, really. Yeah, that's all ghosting is now. It's just by text or dating app. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't ghost permanently. Just like I might not take that call, but I would talk to them the next Sounds day. Sounds like they you're called. trying to climb out of the hole. So I, I also had a few blind dates. Yeah, and how did how did they come about? Were they set up by set up friends? by friends? Yeah, because most of my friends were all settled and married. Yeah. And- be honest a lot of the parents from school used to set me up I know that's so weird so but you were a teacher yes and so and the parents knew that I was single and they'd be like oh you're so lovely and I've got this lovely friend who works with my husband and and so yeah that went on a few really nice dates by that but no none of them really stuck bringing it into the gen z context there's a really popular influencer called Tinks who she's American and she's big on TikTok but also on Instagram and she's just released a book called The Shift which is also a lot about dating as well as building self-esteem and self-help generally but she was talking about the importance of blind dates and how to kind of arrange them because they're a great way to meet people not through the dating apps and she said the key thing is to do it with like a second or a third tier friend because Sometimes if it's a friend that's too close to you yes. and they set you up and they're too invested in Absolutely. it, then it can affect the friendship. Yeah. And I think that's really true. And I was also listening to an episode of the Call Her Daddy podcast with Esther Perel, the dating mm-hmm. psychologist, mm-hmm. I think. And she was talking also about blind dating being important in the idea of dating people in context and in the sense of, getting your friends to invite, have a big party and invite them along or see how they work with other people. Because often when you're dating someone, she was saying, you go into this kind of bubble where it's just you and you're not seeing them from an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's only later on that your friends meet them and kind of, and it often is too late for them to say anything. I think it's interesting. I think a lot more people who are sick of the dating apps mm. from my generation are like, let's work out how we can kind of do be set up and do the idea of a blind date, but maybe not a formal sit down across from each other. Although I think online dating is a tool and mm. that it can be a useful tool, but it can't be the only thing. No. But I think a lot of people use it as the only thing and because so many people do that then a lot of genuinely good options for meeting people Uh, are dwindling dwindling yeah or it's being seen as a bit odd or weird Mm. in my opinion is not a perfect option but it is due for a little bit of resurgence because having people that are vetted and background checked by friends or family or in your case parents of children you were teaching yeah can be helpful obviously as women there's 
a safety aspect to it and you hear horror stories about people that are met on apps as much as i say to you that it's become too complicated with the different levels that you go through i think there was so much more focus on getting married and having a family by a certain age because you know fertility issues and or just society and just just the norm exactly whereas now even that's changed so much with women having babies on their own a relationship doesn't necessarily have to equate to having a family and I think also remaining single now maybe I'm wrong here but isn't seen as you know you're not seen as the dried up old spinster it's seen more as a choice well and I mean the evidence supports that the happiest people in society are married men and single women single childless women colour me surprised (laughs) (laughs) that's a whole nother conversation but really childless women oh there's not the pressure on dating that there was you really were seeking that mate but i i do think there still is i do still think most people want to end up with someone i think that's natural yeah yes you you say marriage is the i don't necessarily think so but i think in I'm not at that stage where it's mm. all happening. Mm. Like we know people that who are in their late 20s, early 30s who have dozens of weddings in a year and they're yeah. all really lavish and most of them are in the country or overseas. And, yes. And maybe that's just our social circles. So, again, it's changed because in my time people were normally married by like 25, 26 and had been with their partners since their late teens or early 20s. None of your friends are thinking about getting married or... No, I think it begins kind of... Late 20s? Late 20s. Mm. And it's people that have been together since maybe their mid-20s. Right. That's typically the time. I, You know, the average age of marriage is somewhere in their mid thirty, um, early 30s for women in Australia. You look at your friends and you think, oh, these are the couples that give them a couple of years. They'll be first cabs off the rank. But I'm not mad about that. I'm not going to be sad that I'm if I'm single at someone's wedding because that is a great way to meet, meet someone in context what? that have been vetted by friends as all those can, rom-coms go. Can I just say the boyfriend I had in my 20s from 20 to 28, I met him at my sister's wedding. Exactly. So I'm holding out for that stage of my life. It's all fascinating, isn't it, really? Yeah. So I do think, yes, times have changed. Yes, you don't have to be married but I or have children, but I do still think most people would like to have the option and to be with someone that they love. That's just normal. I think that's human nature. Yeah. That's wanting to be loved and to have a companion. Yeah. Is isn't very natural. It's very natural. Everyone wants to be loved and and have that and start their well, not necessarily start your own family. And I think the hard part about where we live is there's a lot of people that are like very settled couples with even if they're unmarried with their like dog walking, you're always like, oh, he's handsome. I'm like, mum, he's walking a golden retriever. There is no way that man is single. Well, I'm always out there looking for you, my darling. Thank you. And I, for you. Oh, please. At all the old, old no, 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 touches no. at Where? the surf club. <laughs> well, that was a very interesting episode. So interesting. It's so it's so different, yet some things are so the same. Yeah, I think it's like the format has changed, but it's all undermined by 
wanting to find someone and wanting someone to and like vulnerability you. you're at your most vulnerable when you're you know revealing yourself to anybody but i couldn't have said it better laying yourself out there which is why I don't think I'll be doing that again. Couldn't have said that better myself. Could you tell our listeners what they should do if they like this podcast? If you like this podcast, give it five stars, recommend it to all your friends, subscribe. And where do they give it five stars and follow us? They follow us on Spotify and Apple. Podcasts? Correct. Yes. By giving us a rating on Apple or Spotify, that helps boost us in the charts and helps us find new listeners so we can keep on doing this keep on keeping on we also have a tiktok and instagram well thank you so much for joining me and sorry to quiz you you. on your sex life that's a bit awkward. i did not even mention having sex once um yes you did and that will cost you a cup of tea tonight all right my darling what you call me? Poo. Oh. What? I will not be called that on a podcast. Right. You can chop that bit out, my darling. <laughs> Bye, sugar plum. Bye, my darling.